The Kings are really good at making what was supposed to be a really solid win feel just not, not as good with the way they play down the stretch. And uh, out of this team and clutch free throws, I don't know what's going on. I believed Malik Monk when, you know, he sent that tweet out after the Milwaukee game, said, I'll be better. I believed him. And uh, no, he hasn't been. And I hope he can get this free throw thing figured out before it really matters. But I don't want the Kings just totally struggling down the stretch of games to take away from the rest of the game because there were so many great things that the Kings did. And at the end of the day, because of all those great things they did for, I don't know, what was it, maybe 39 minutes of the game, because of all those great things, they get the win. And obviously, playing well down the stretch of games is a, a, a huge component of a basketball game and matters a lot. And the last nine minutes probably matter more than the first nine minutes. But the Kings have been playing really well except when they get a big lead late. And so I want to first kind of get in and first talk about uh, the, the bad part of the game, the end of the game, and then I'll get in to all the great things they did earlier on. But before I do either of those things, I want to look back at the previous schedule. And so the last six games, well, seven games ago was Philadelphia. We got blown out by the Joel Embiid-less 76ers. That was the start of that four-game losing streak. But after that, it was Phoenix, the game where we played amazing for, again, like 39 minutes or so, and then just blew it. And then the, there's the Milwaukee game. Or no, actually, sorry. The Milwaukee game was before that. So there's the Milwaukee game where they just blow it on free throws at the end, but played so well going up against one of the best teams in the NBA in the Bucks. Then the Phoenix game. Then you have the Pacers game. That was definitely a letdown, but they stormed back at the end and almost made a game of it. So at least there's that positive. And so that's a, a four-game losing streak where you played two solid teams and played them well and just lost to choking at the end. But there's still positives to be taken away from how you played the rest of the game. You play Atlanta, solid win there, solid win against the Warriors, solid win here against Dallas. So the Kings have been playing well for large chunks in, in most of the games in about the last six games. And they're three and three in those six games. But I would only say there's really only one totally poor performance. And so they just really need to get their stuff together down this stretch. And so let's get into uh, what happened in the fourth quarter. I mean, I say it was the last nine minutes and it, it was, but it also just started at the start of the fourth quarter with just a whole bunch of Malik Monk. And this is something that I've talked about before, where the fourth quarter just becomes Malik Monk dribbling around. It's just, it's not a good thing. I mean, it, it can be a good thing, but there are just such ups and downs. Sometimes he's turning the ball over, and that just leads to fast breaks for the other team, lets them get back into the game pretty quickly. Sometimes he's great, and sometimes he's making things happen. But it was just too much dribbling from Malik Monk. And when you get into that isolation well, not even isolation, but just over dribbling, it just results in more turnovers. And that's really bad when you're trying to maintain a lead. And so that was when both Doncic and Sabonis were out. So the Kings were still maintaining the lead at that point, and it was fine. And so then it should just be, okay, Sabonis comes back in, and we should be good. 
But even when Sabonis came back in, the offense still wasn't flowing. And, and Luka came back in at the same time. And I hated the lineup that the Kings put out there. There was no Fox, no Kevin Herter, and no Keegan Murray. And so first of all, you don't have Keegan to match up with Luka Doncic. And that's one problem. Second, you don't even have Herter to match up with Luka. And you know I'll get to the defensive matchups later in the positives because Herter was really good defensively. So you don't even have him to put out there against Luka. And then offensively, I feel like you have to have one of those guys on the court. And Herter had only played 24 minutes up to this point, and it just felt like the Kings offense would have flowed so much better if he was in the game. But it just felt like the Kings just got stuck in mud offensively, and that affected their defense. And then the defense, the rotations, just they weren't, what we had seen earlier in the game. We were allowing open threes, weren't running guys off the three-point line like we had been the rest of the game. And Herter came, actually came back in, and the starters, except for Barnes, who had just had to come out, so Lyles was in with the rest of the starters, they came in, and Herter immediately made an impact, got a bucket, got a deflection, so, and then he made a big three. I just, I don't know why he didn't play more minutes, I mean, he played 30 minutes, but when you look at the rest of the starters' minutes, you have Fox at 37, or no, Sabonis at 36 was the least of the other four starters. So I feel like the fourth quarter kind of just got off to a bad start because of a bad lineup out there. And then it's just about not being locked in. There's something about the Kings getting a 20-point lead and them just totally losing all of their intensity and just not being locked in. It happened earlier in the game as well, where they hit 20 at the very start of the third quarter and then just totally dropped off. And at the start of that third quarter, they, you know, they hit those two threes, the two corner threes to go up 20. And then again, the offense just totally changed and they were rushing things. And there's a difference between playing with pace, which they did the entire game and rushing things and rushing bad shots because they were playing with pace, but they were playing with patience the rest of the game. And playing with patience against this Mavericks team, I mean, the Kings can pick apart their defense every single possession. And then we obviously, we got to the missed free throws. And I don't need, like, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, they're just missing free throws. Like, what, what are you supposed to do? Like, that doesn't really come with the not locked in thing. That's just a, a totally different mental aspect of the game. And so I feel like there's kind of two different mental sides of it. The free throw side and then the not being locked in side. And so on the not being locked inside, some mistakes were like Fox had the rebound right in front of him and just kind of didn't grab it strongly and started fading up court, you know, trying to go up court before he grabbed the rebound. Seth Curry sneaks in, grabs it, lays it up. Then you have him going down, missing the second free throw. Again, like that is what it is. The bigger problem is that then the Mavs go right down one against four. Josh Green beats everyone down the court and gets a foul. Like, those are the moments that just can't happen down the stretch. And then you just had open corner three after open corner three. Again, the rotation's not there like they were for the rest of the game. The The defense was great the rest of the game, and then they just weren't able to run shooters off the three-point line when it came down the stretch. And then, again, you have the offense just totally stalling out. There was that one possession where they got it to Sabonis in the post, and then Sabonis and Herter just weren't on the same page. Sabonis wanted him to clear out, 
Herder was just going to stay there. Shot clock's winding down. Sabotis just needed to put it on the ground earlier, even if Herder didn't do what he wanted him to do. And then it just is too late, and he travels with it, trying to force something late in the shot clock. There are a bunch of other bad possessions down the stretch. The ball just sticking. And so the Kings just need to figure out how to run their clutch time offense. Last season, it was a lot of Fox and Sabonis pick and roll. This season, it's been a lot more Malik Monk Sabonis pick and roll, which can be good. But it's also just been a lot more isolation basketball and just a lot less movement in general. This definitely wasn't Suns level game of bad offensive execution down the stretch. Like they still were running some actions, which they didn't do at all against the Suns. It was just straight isolation. But they absolutely just need to figure out a way to keep running their offense down the stretch. But I mean, that's the offense. Like the defense is the bigger problem. They had a poor fourth quarter on both ends. And they allowed 40 points in the fourth quarter. The rest of the game, they allowed 25 points, 24 points, and 26 points in the other three quarters. And it was just about leaving open shooters and not rotating out to them like they had been the rest of the game. So then Fox finally scored. And then the Kings have a great defensive possession. An amazing one that just seems like it it locks up the game, right? Just like we'd seen the rest of the game. The rotations on point, extra efforts. It was amazing. And then again, it's the not being locked in part. It's Sabonis fouling Luca on a three-point shot. And at that point, we were up 10. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was yelling at my TV, like, what are you doing? And then, I, you know, I took a step back. And I'm like, okay, we're still up by a lot. There's, like, no time left. It should be fine. Luca even missed one of those free throws. But then the Kings reminded me why I do get so mad and anxious about those just brain fart moments where Sabonis fouled out on that uh, on that possession. And then Fox, just way too casual going up the court. Sure, you can say he got fouled, but he shouldn't be dribbling into traffic there that casually anyways. They allow some contact down the stretch. That's just how it works. And he should not be that casual with it. And I think casual is kind of the perfect way to describe a lot of the things the Kings did down the stretch. So he gets the eight-second violation. Luca hits the three. Monk misses the free throws. I didn't even talk about earlier Harrison Barnes airballing a free throw. And then the Kings just let Maxi Kleba go straight to the rim off an inbounds. Just like there's 10 seconds left. It's a five-point game. You just have to force them to catch it going away from the rim. And you let him catch it right at the rim. That was a very disappointing defensive possession. But then Harrison Barnes steps up and, and hits the two free throws to finally put it away. It's just it shouldn't, it should not be that hard. It really shouldn't. And it's been a growing concern. But now putting that aside, you know, we've got all the negatives out of the way. Let's look at the positives from this game. Because like I said, there were a lot. And it started with De'Aaron Fox on the offensive end just being ultra aggressive and that's what I love to see like I think his first shot was a three-pointer one that I did not like and then after that he was just going to the rim getting to his mid-range and all game he was just putting guys in the post and that's more of the fox from last season putting guys in the post getting to his mid-range getting to the free throw line just killing them in the mid-range 
Like, I love that his three-point shot has become a threat, but he shouldn't totally go away from the mid-range. And so we saw him getting it going, and now he's had back-to-back really solid games. 34 points, uh, five assists, two steals, two blocks. And so offensively, he's finally got it going again, which is nice to see. And he was just the catalyst for the Kings playing with a lot of pace. And that is always a key for the Kings offense to get going is the pace that they're playing at. And then we have the defensive side of the ball where the starting unit especially was just super locked in. The bench, a little more up and down, a little bit of a a different story. But all five starters, I thought, had really good defensive games. And that defense, it starts with two guys, in my opinion. It starts with Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter. Keegan Murray being the first point of attack attack against Luka Doncic. He did a great job of constantly having a body on him, not fouling him. This was a a very well-officiated game, I will say, other than Sabonis getting clearly hacked a few times. But that's, you know, that's normal. That always happens. He doesn't get any calls. But right away, like, there wasn't a foul for the first five, six minutes of the game. And both Luca and Fox were foul baiting inside and they did both didn't get calls. And that right there, I'm like, that's a really good sign because if they're not calling those, you know, moments where guys are trying to foul bait, then Luca's whole game it collapses right there. Obviously Luca coming off a 73 point game the night before, I believe he played 43 minutes. He played 46 minutes out of 48 minutes in this one. I don't get that. Like, why? Obviously, they don't have Kyrie Irving. They don't have a few other guys like Derek Jones Jr. and some others. But why are you playing Luka back-to-back 40-plus minutes? just seems odd to me, especially when the Kings had a a 20-plus point lead pretty late, you know, like nine minutes to go. I thought they were going to pull him. And, like, you can see why they didn't because obviously they came back. But at the same time, like, everything had to go perfectly for the Mavs. And it almost did. But that's why it's so hard to actually come back from those deficits because, you know, the Kings tried gifting it to them. They still didn't win it. So it's just odd that he played 46 minutes. But Keegan Murray played 40 minutes matching him for a large portion of the game. Mike Brown definitely didn't want to play him 46 minutes. He also got in a little bit of foul trouble with four fouls at the end of the third quarter, so he got pulled there. But for the most part, he did a really good job of not fouling against Luka, just making him uncomfortable, contesting the step-back threes, which each time a step-back three missed. Like, we're getting closer and closer to a win here. And then, of course, he finally hits one right at the very end, where it's like, oh, is this really happening? Are we really going to throw this game away? But... Keegan did a great job of also then when Luca would take a screen and someone else would have to switch onto him. A lot of times it was Herter because Herter was, I think, being targeted by the Mavs, which didn't work at all. But Keegan did a good job of following Luca and staying in the play even when he got screened off. So Herter did a great job of keeping Luca in front of him. And there were many times where Sabonis did a really good job of contesting the shot and giving Keegan time to recover and get the blocks. And that's why Keegan had three blocks. The Kings had a, as a team had a season high in blocks with 10. They had nine blocks in the first half. So you have Barnes with one, Keegan with three, Fox with two, Herter with two, and Lyles 
and Kessler Edwards, each with one. And so they were making just everything so tough for Luca. No matter where he was on the court, he was being shown bodies. Keegan and Kevin Herter doing an amazing job on him. And then when Luca would swing the ball, everyone else did a great job of rotating out to shooters. They were running the shooters off the three-point line, forcing them into tough passes. And they were running them off the three-point line, but then still there was always someone waiting in the paint to be able to contest their shot or even take the charge like Keegan did at one point. And just the amount of extra efforts we saw and the attention to detail was just something we rarely see. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen the Kings be that connected defensively and give that many extra efforts for such a long time in a game. I was terrified the entire time that at some point it was going to fall apart. And it did, but I just expected it to be like in the second quarter. And then when it didn't happen, I'm like, oh, it's going to be in the third quarter. No, it was in the fourth quarter. Luckily, we had a big enough lead. I mean, it's hard to to continue to give those extra efforts time after time to run their shooters off the line and be connected defensively the entire game. But those are the moments where I think our defense really shines because we have good team defenders. And that's especially where Kevin Herter shines defensively. And so when the entire when the entire team is locked in and committed to playing that team defense, it's a beautiful thing. There were so many times where like Trey Lyles would get in there and get his hand on a ball, block a shot, and just there was always someone there. Kessler Edwards played one minute in this game, but he had an amazing defensive possession when he came in. At the end of the third quarter, Keegan picks up his fourth foul, so we go to Kessler Edwards, and two on two separate occasions on the same possession, he locked Luca up. It's just a beautiful thing. Now the rest of the bench outside of Lyles and Edwards, I mean, JaVale was solid, and then you get to like Davion and Monk, and yeah, that those two guys were rough. I mean, and it, it's been said since very early on last season, the Kings starting unit is really good and can be very solid defensively. And it's just once they start making substitutions, it falls apart. And it's especially substitutions at the guard position when you're bringing in Davion and Monk, who are both smaller players. And so the second you're subbing out Herder or Keegan or Barnes for one of those guys, that's just a lot of size and length being subtracted from your defense, and it it hurts a lot. Like when Lyles is out there for Barnes, it's fine, but it's when one of those guards comes in for uh, one of the wing players, because only one of those guards can come in for Fox, and Fox, very good defensively as well, so you're even getting a downgrade there. Davion just had a tough time. I mean, he got switched onto Luca, and didn't get much help, which, like, that just can't happen. Like, I get Davion's thing as defense, but he can't guard Luca. Not his fault. But then he also had some other bad moments, throwing the ball away, just was not good offensively, wasn't good defensively. So a rough game for Davion after he had strung two good games together. So hopefully we can see him bounce back again, because as a bench player, I mean, you don't expect a bench player to have a good game every game, or else they they wouldn't be a bench player, probably. So it's just about, can he bounce back from this quickly within the next one or two games to maintain his spot in the rotation? Sabonis, last time he played Dallas, absolutely dominated. And this time, 
I felt like we could have seen him dominate more inside, but he wasn't totally looking for his own shot. And he fouled out by the end and he got called for two moving screens late in the, or not late in the fourth quarter, but late in the game. I think they were both in the fourth quarter, might've been late in the third quarter. And one of them was justified. One of them was absolutely nothing. And so that definitely didn't help when it came to him fouling out or his turnover numbers. Uh, and so he had six turnovers. Again, two of them off those offensive fouls on screens. He lost the ball a couple of times, traveled. I just thought he could have been more aggressive. Like he was efficient, seven for 10, one for one from three, had 17 points, 11 boards. I just thought he probably could have been a little more dominant inside. But obviously Fox had it going and other guys were scoring as well. So it wasn't that important for him to continue to look for his own shot. And Harrison Barnes coming off two career games, kind of, you know, two 30-plus point games. He went into halftime with, it was either two or four points. I can't remember. But I was fine with that because other guys were creating. He was just taking everything from within the offense and wasn't forcing anything, but also wasn't passing anything up. And so I was like, you know, other guys are scoring, so... You know, we don't need Barnes to be leading the team in scoring every game or anything, or even second. But then he comes out of halftime, and again, he just goes on a, sto- a scoring tear. Hit four for seven from three, six for 11 from the field, scored 20 points. He also had six rebounds at halftime, ended the game with six rebounds. So, you know, it would have been nice if he could have grabbed at least one in the second half. But, you know, it's okay. We'll take the six rebounds. The Kings definitely got to out-rebounded on the offensive glass. Dallas had 13 offensive rebounds. That was definitely something the Kings needed to, to clean up a bit. But I also understand that that can be hard when you're in transition, you know, in rotation so much of the time. But just another great game for Barnes. Like, I don't know what's happening here. It's uh, great. I don't, you know, it's like we traded for a fifth starter. He's He's back, apparently. I don't know. He even had some great defensive plays. I mean, it was kind of funny just watching him at times when Luca would drive in and he would just kind of stand there with his arms up and just not move. But honestly, against Luca, that's probably the best strategy because he's just trying to draw fouls anyways. So if you stand there straight up, I mean, that works. But there's the moment at the end of the first quarter where he got switched onto Luca and he showed the mobility on the perimeter, forcing Luca wide and forcing a miss. Uh, so that was a great moment. He had another one where he stopped an easy basket from Derek Lively by stripping him inside. And then that created a, a Keegan transition three. That was a big moment in the game, I thought, like kind of a momentum swing moment. I thought Herder also had a lot of those moments creating in transition. He ended the game with five assists, and it felt like all of them were just throwing the ball ahead in transition, leading to easy bu- easy buckets. This is how we were used to the Kings playing last season, especially the starting unit. Just everyone uh, in the starting unit getting into double figures. Keegan with 15 was the lowest scorer of the starters, but then everyone also being connected defensively for most of the game. I kind of already talked about Monk over dribbling in the fourth, but uh, it wasn't just the fourth where he was having an up and down game. It was the entire game where it felt like at any moment he could make a great play or he could turn the ball over. And so, again, we're kind of back to last season where it's just the monk experience of great things can happen or horrible things can happen. But uh, 
he wasn't shooting very much, only five shot attempts, and lately he just hasn't been shooting a lot, but he had the six assists. There was a, a point in the second quarter where you tell Monk was just feeling it in the pick and roll, either getting to the rim or lobbing it up for someone like JaVale. There were a couple of pretty incredible catches from JaVale, and also the Kings were kind of obsessed with throwing lobs in this one, which was interesting. Not all of them successful, but the ones to JaVale McGee, were successful because that dude is still super athletic and I thought JaVale had you know solid minutes contributing in the pick and roll not making too many mistakes defensively and so you know just a a solid showing from him and speaking of those dunks you had De'Aaron Fox with the monster jam weaving through the defense turning on the jets and then throwing it down is a very surprising dunk and I feel like that's how you can tell he's back and he's feeling like himself there are a lot of reasons to be positive about this Kings team. And, you know, it was hard during the four-game losing streak to still have a positive outlook. But like I talked about, they played really well against Milwaukee. They played really well against Phoenix. They just have to figure out how to close games. Obviously, Fox was never going to be, like, have the exact same clutch numbers as last season. He has obviously dropped off. And so other guys have to figure out how to not be so reliant on him. Also, Fox, for some reason, is just better from behind or when the game is tied. Kind of the anti-Steph Curry. I mean, that's not really true. But, you know, Steph Curry, their thought is he's, you know, he's a front runner, which is not true. And actually saw that tonight. But he's kind of the anti-that where he's better from behind or when it's tied. And when the Kings are ahead, he just doesn't have that killer instinct. You know, he wants to... You know, he doesn't run from the grind. He wants to make it, you know, he wants to do it the hard way. And this whole team, they just, they can't do it the easy way. It's really annoying. But nonetheless, a three-game win streak. Going into Memphis, a Memphis team that is still ravaged by injuries. And so, theoretically, the easiest game on this road trip. But also the first game on this road trip where the team isn't on the second night of a back-to-back, the team that the Kings are playing, that is. And so despite Memphis being you know, ravaged by injuries, they've still been playing well recently and been playing really well in the month of January, but obviously still no Jaw, no Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark, uh, and they haven't had Luke Kennard either. And the last time the Kings played the Grizzlies, it was also in Memphis, and it was that 123-92 beatdown the most complete game the Kings have played all season, a defensive masterclass from the Kings. And so hopefully they can continue their good defensive performance from this Mavs game into that game against Memphis. And I think if, you know, if Barnes and Herter can continue contributing the way they have been, if Keegan obviously continues to be better and better offensively, if Fox is performing like he was early in the season like this Kings team is improved defensively from last season they are and so if they can get back to where they were offensively or even you know just close to that then I think Kings are absolutely primed to go on a big run here also one thing I forgot to mention but uh, Mike Brown won a challenge he also lost one both were calls I believe on Kevin Herter although I never got confirmation on the first one, but I think it was called on Herter reaching in on Luca, and it was successful because he got all ball. And then the unsuccessful one 
was the in, in transition where Herter got called for a block where there was very minimal contact, but that's just how they call it. And uh, if they called it and there's any contact while Herter's moving, they're probably gonna uphold it. So, but you know, one for two. I mean, especially winning the first one, so you get the second one. I mean, we'll take that from Mike Brown. But anyways, that is it for this episode of the Roll Report. I will be back on Monday to recap the game against the Grizzlies. Peace.